0: Hi, I'm Jorge Luis.
1: Hi, this is Cameron.
0: And today we have a very special guest.
1: Caitlin Camp from the Amadas program.
0: Let's hear her stories and start now.
2: Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of
0: education equals hope.
1: Welcome to the Education Equals Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco,
0: and I'm Jorge Luis Rodriguez.
1: I'm the co-founder of Equals H and the director of the program in Ecuador, and
0: I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well.
1: Y'all know that Education Equals Hope exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations,
0: and also the purpose of this podcast is to keep you, our dear listeners, supporters, and partners in ministry, informed as to what is happening here in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And in the world, with in everything the world. that equals each desk, right? <laughs> All
1: over the world, yep, of course. absolutely. <laughs> we, we have dabbled in the international and we need to get back to it. But today, um, you want to talk about <laughs> desperate and difficult situations. We yeah. have um, a, a new guest with us. Good morning, Caitlin Camp.
2: Good morning. So glad to be here.
1: We're so glad you are here. Caitlin is part of the Youth World family. We're going to let her introduce herself in a second. But she is going to talk about our new partnership with Amadas.
0: Yes, thank you so much for being with us, Caitlin. We want to start by hearing who are you mm-hmm. and how are you connected to the ministry and how you came to the country to serve mm-hmm. in the ministry you're working with.
2: Yeah, it wasn't planned, that's <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm Caitlin Camp, and I've been in Ecuador now for just under eight years. Oh, and my Yeah, I came in 2013 thinking I would stay for a year. And then I met someone I was really interested in, <laughs> <laughs> and we started dating. He's from here, and we got married a year and a half later, mm-hmm. and About. I'm still here in Ecuador, which is really an amazing an amazing thing for both of us. And
1: the cutest too. little
2: redheaded boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes, born 15 days before the pandemic, little River. He is now part of our family, and we're just so excited to have He's him so here living his th- third culture life with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you should yeah. have some podcasts on third culture. Can. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's needed. Yeah. And so Amadas, I was actually part of various youth world ministries before getting involved with Amadas and the direct now the director of all of FEME. so let me step back a minute. So, right. I'll
1: just remind le- yeah. listeners that we had Hannah on the show, oh, I think awesome. in season one. Yes. And we kept switching back and forth between FEME, Fin de Esclavitud Ministerios oh, yeah. Ecuador, <laughs> and, and, Esme and ESME, and Slavery in Ministries in Ecuador. Because they're really the same thing, <laughs> just are. in two languages. <laughs> so you uh, work with Hannah, yeah. under Hannah, for mm-hmm. a while you directed this program, but Amadas to remind people the f- they have four branches, right? And mm-hmm. so there's the residential Casa Dalia, the Caminos de Libertad, the mm-hmm. non-residential program, the jewelry mm-hmm. making program, and then Amadas is
2: Amadas is the ministry with people in prostitution. So, and we, yeah, it's. Uh, Started as a street ministry, and I got involved because Hannah just one day said, Hey, you want to come with me? And I thought that'd be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll try it. And it was that's crazy. what I love about our community, right? <laughs> Going down street ministry with the pastors that would be great. I'm in. go so do it. <laughs> and it was crazy because it was the day, and they just briefed me on the metro going down like oh we think we might do a Christmas party for them and I said that's great that's cool I'm in on that too and then we got down there we went into a brothel and they were having a meeting that day so when I went in there were 200 women staring Mm -hmm. at me when I came in and I had no idea what to do we were all sitting there and then the president of this association they form associations to kind of protect themselves um, on the street And she stands up and says, okay, they're going to invite you all to a Christmas party. And we had no plans. There were no plans in place. (laughs) And the director in that time, or the coordinator, Desi, just stood up and said, yeah, we want you on this day. We're all going to be here, and it's just going to be a time with God and you, and we want to share that Jesus loves you. And from then on, I think we're on our fifth, sixth Christmas party from Mm -hmm. then, Christmas Mm -hmm. events. Um, It's been super cool to see the ministry grow. Yeah. And it used to be a street ministry, and it's grown. um, And we just want to show the love of Christ to these women, where they are at. We work with women. We work with people who identify as transgender. Um, We know where they live on the streets or where they work on the streets, excuse me. Um, and yeah. And the Christmas events have been growing every year. This last year we met with over 400 women. Wow. Um, yeah, it's how
1: many, uh, people are there in prostitution in the city of keto? keto. We've talked about the fact it's legal, right? Yeah. So what, like, how does mm-hmm. that play out? And
2: yeah, it's crazy because you can, we can say it's legal, but we can't say it's legal eyes in the sense that they are protected. They have rights, things like that. They're allowed to be on the street. Um, that is something that the police can't come and take them off the street unless the government would make a law, which that's another possibility, and they're only afraid of that. Um, But they're not going to be able to go and get, I don't know, if if something – would happen to them, like a trauma on the street, they're not going to necessarily get very much help. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not legalized in that sense, but it is allowed. And um, they're not
1: affiliated with the social security system.
2: No, unless they like want that. to be. <laughs> and They that have, would have to pay to, their own exactly, as self-employed. Right. They don't have to pay their own way. And that's kind of why they form these associations, which are kind of like unions, let's call them. Um, and so they have a president of the association and she collects their dues every month so that they can be on a certain place on the street and be protected um, Among themselves. Um, Mm. And that there's still a lot of, uh, that's another, that's a prayer request. There's a lot of like fighting and arguing and violence in between associations because of just the nature of the, we, we don't call it work necessarily. I'm going to call it work because that's just an easier way to talk about it. Uh-huh. Um, but because we don't believe that prostitution is an actual job among the people that work for ESME, um, we, we talk about it as sexual exploitation. But in order to have conversations with government entities and things like that, mm-hmm. we talk about work or prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to avoid trabajadores sexuales, which is sex workers, in that we don't believe that is actual right, it's an actual job. But it's just, um, in order to have conversations with them. We do.
1: In your experience, have you, um, I know that there are generations that have grown up in the brothels. Mm -hmm. Um, is it the type of thing that someone grows up with the aspiration? I want to do this just like my mom or is it, um,
2: yeah, no, (laughs) that's what that's what the interesting thing is, is that when you talk to these women, um, they have daughters and granddaughters, um, in prostitution with them. And they have told us, that they want to break the chain they, like they want mm-hmm. to break this in their family it's not something they want for their children and the the daughters that I've spoken to don't want to be there mm-hmm. um, but it's something that they believe really a lot of the the reason the number one reason they're on the, the street and working there is um, because of poverty mm-hmm. and the need to have something to bring into their home at the end of the day a lot of them, Um, have been going through a really hard time with the pandemic because they weren't allowed to be on the street Mm -hmm. um, for the first three months of the pandemic. They weren't even allowed. And then they were allowed, sort of. And and COVID, of course, they're so exposed to COVID. Mm -hmm. It was super difficult. And we would go down and, and speak with them. And they would say, yeah, I haven't even made enough to get back on the bus. And here, buses cost 25, 50 cents. And so it's just crazy that that they're in this situation. So
1: it's just the oldest quote-unquote profession in the world because it's
2: mm. it's something that they believe that that's the only thing that they that can they're do. Worth.
1: Uh-huh. We've talked a lot about on this podcast about the poverty of self, that right. sense mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. not not being worthy or not having... A, and, mm-hmm. and the really challenging part of it's not just about having money in your pocket, it's what you believe about yourself Mm -hmm. and who you believe to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen that play out?
2: Yeah. One of the, I think the strongest or questions that we've asked them on the street is, what are your dreams? Like, what do you think about? What do you want to do in the future? Um, And they... They sit and they think about it, and you can see like those who have thought about it and have an answer. Like their faces just light up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I want to be a cook, or I want to have my own local. I want to have this or that, or I want my my kids to graduate, and I'm working so hard so that they can graduate mm-hmm. um, and have a different life. And so I feel like when they when they they have that inside of them, um, but I think with <laughs> the whole. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to find the word in in my vocabulary, like the whole group of people around them and the situation that they're in pulls them down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been a blessing for us to be able to go and be in those dark places, but then ask them these questions and they can see that, Oh, I am a light. Like I am different. I I can do these things. Mm -hmm. And it's been really cool now with E equals H to then take another step. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, I think street ministry is needed. Street ministry, we need to go down and meet them where they're at, but then we need to give them options the next step. Okay, uh-huh, so right. now you want to be yeah. – <laughs> you want to have your own, your own place, your own little market. Okay, what can we do to get you to that to that place? And a huge need is education mm-hmm. because I believe poverty is self-connected. Once you have an education and you can see what, you, what God has given you, the talents that you've given. And then what you're, you're capable of. Exactly, because maybe you've never tried something or if you haven't gone to school, you haven't been exposed to those different things that you could possibly do, um and possibly be. And so now with education equals hope, this this partnership that we're gonna talk about um is just so cool that we can then give them other options. Um and as I said, Amadas has been growing and so now we have someone who's been work who's from Ecuador working with us and she's been um, Mero, she's uh, been a part of the government and knows a bunch of different, she knows she's all the foundations. Yeah. She's amazing.
1: Who she can connect you to and what social mm-hmm. program and she so knows quick. to call. Like, oh, you, do. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so it's really cool.
1: So mm. my little spiritual gift is context. So I'm just going to make sure <laughs> that we have the context. So Femme has these four areas and amadas yeah. is something that, that you've worked in, as you said, for years, mm-hmm. and it has grown and become past just going to visit the women right. to taking the next step and and the act of hiring Veronica Averro mm-hmm. she is kind of a, a social worker case worker for mm-hmm. individual men and women who are in prostitution right. and what they mm-hmm. would need So tell us what – tell us about a typical (laughs) typical family.
2: um, Oh, my. um, Maybe there's a
1: different vocabulary I
2: could use. Yeah, that's just – it's so funny because when I went down, you think about people in prostitution, and I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening would think about what they've seen in movies or on the Internet, like what a person in prostitution would look like. Uh And there is that. There is, I guess, that stereotype here. Um, But the women that we work with, I mean Mm – when I first went down, I didn't know who was in prostitution and who wasn't. I didn't know the difference. They don't. Um, I guess they're not putting on tons of makeup. They're not exposing their bodies like in a certain way. They're moms, and there's even an association that that we know of and, and are helping that are women over sixty years old. And so, yes. the the average I would say with people that we work with are is forty years old, and a lot of them are single women raising at least two, if not uh, more, a lot of them are raising four, six, eight kids um, from different fathers. So there's, they're broken homes, um, most of them. And these women are basically trying to be the pillar of that home mm. um, and provide for their families. So kind of that is sort of a typical um, <laughs> person in prostitution. And then But also we have another population, which are the transgenders or people who identify as transgender. Um, And then there's also another association that we have not yet um, gotten close to, but we know the president of of men in prostitution. Mm -hmm. So that would be another step (laughs) for us. So there's a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. But in our in in, I guess, the typical family that we would work with is a single mom, multiple kids who's trying to provide for her family in her. 40s or so Mm
1: -hmm. we um we've talked a couple times about the amada's christmas parties and and putting those on and Mm -hmm. and caroline and i had the chance to go help translate for nurses that came down and i was sitting at a table and the woman on one side of me that i'm helping translate for she's 22 and a mother of four (laughs) yeah and -hmm. the woman on the other side of me because i'm translating on both sides (laughs) at the same time (laughs) she's like 67 Mm -hmm. and i'm and yeah and i am just like um, my head's literally playing ping pong between the two um, right. mm-hmm. women, but just also my mind going, "Oh my, oh my word!" What yeah. it's just. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And most of the women, uh, so the sixty-seven-year-old probably came from an association that we work with and partner with, um, and I would say eighty uh, percent of them can't read and write. Wow. Um, yeah. So when we when we went down for the Christmas parties, or even for Valentine's Day, and we have cards for them, we have to read it to them mm-hmm. because they're they're they don't know how to read. And that was something that we had to prep our volunteers on, um, is that you never know, you never know if they have an education, if they don't. Mm-hmm. So just be as, <laughs> I don't know, as forthcoming as possible, read, um, find out their stories. Yeah. And the Christmas parties, um, and, and, events they've been changing for the pandemic. We've been able to give them food kits cause that's one of the biggest things that they need right now. Um, and in this one, we were able to do a medical team came down and helped us, helped us out with that. And I was able to go down later. And I was just amazed at the difference (laughs) of my life compared to the lives of the women that I work with. Um, One of the women came up and she just had a baby, um, which is close to my heart because River was born in 2020. And she said, yeah, and he was born and he was born without an arm. And the whole time, like all of the ultrasounds, they never knew and all of these things. And so I was sitting there and thinking, okay, God, how can we help this woman? I mean... It's so close to my heart that I want to help, but I'm here and I'm listening, and she was a Venezuelan refugee on top of Mm. um, being in prostitution and having um, a boy with with this discapacidad, with this um, disability. Mm. And what is really cool is now with Beto, we were able to get her connected with different foundations and provide the things that she needs, cribs, clothes, diapers. Mm. Um, And so it's not... Only listening, which was so important in that moment, and to pray for her because she broke down. I'm breaking down and wanting to weep at the same time. Um, But taking that next step to provide for what they need and see that God is providing for them through these different foundations Mm is
1: really cool. And to be able to be that bridge, yeah. which is what, again, educational's hope we are hoping to be. We're not Vero. We're not Caitlin. <laughs> we don't have the relationships. Yeah. And we don't carry the relationships with those women. But to be able to come along and support y'all as you Just do and them. to give those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, Jorge Luis and Rocio and I met with Vero and the director of mm-hmm. Amadas at the time, um, they told us a story that one of the women was like, if you want to help us, If you really want to do something for us, do something for our kids.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The straightest way to a mom's heart is through her kids, right? And so that's something that has been in our hearts and minds for a long time. Uh, We did school supplies through Equals H, kind of a separate thing before we became became
1: official You did school supplies through Equals (laughs) H. You did (laughs) the fundraising for that. Good job, you.
2: Yeah. It was was amazing, though, because so many people wanted to give to this because – explaining it in in terms of, okay, yes, these women, obviously, they need education. Sometimes they don't have the time. Sometimes they don't have the resources. What can we do to break this cycle that they want to break in Mm -hmm. their families? It's through their their children, and they are so proud of their kids. Most of the conversations that I would have with women on the street were about their kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have four kids. I have, and he's in this school, and he, or she's in this school, and she's doing so well, and she, this is what she wants to be. This is what he wants to be. And so when we were able to provide school supplies for yeah. them, it was such an amazing just an amazing blessing for them, but just for us to see how excited some of the kids came. Um, not all of them could come, but some of the kids came, and they were so excited to get all of their supplies and, and to actually have notebooks was um, <laughs> something so cool for them, um, and especially with the pandemic. So here in Ecuador, I mean, school shut down. The requirement was to go yes. online. Mm-hmm. These women, though, I mean, they might have they might have one cell phone. Um, that they mm-hmm. need to take with them when they go for anything that would happen on the street. Um, and so they, the kids would wait until their moms would get home. And then it's like, OK, four kids, how do we give online classes to four kids with one cell phone? And maybe they don't even have Internet, so they're, <laughs> they're using their neighbor's Internet and things like that. And it was just a mess. And so in order to, mm-hmm. to help them out with that, giving them school supplies, helping specific families um, – get get some technology and things was really helpful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And as we move forward, they um they were bringing them on. So Feme or Esme and Casa Dalia is still one of our ministry sites that mm-hmm. we pour into and we have a counseling retreat and, 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 yeah. but now Amada's gets to be its own line item. Yes. Um, and we just have the opportunity to pour more into that. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for helping us understand, (laughs) um, a little bit more about the Amada's world and Amada's of course means beloved. Yes. They're beloved by Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, If you would like to be a part of the Amadas support team or if you'd like to be a part of making these micro scholarships happen across the board, across Ecuador, across the world, please go to www.educationwithhope.org. Find the Donate Now button. Obviously, we can't do any of this without you, and we invite you to continue to be with us or to join us for the first time.
0: Thank you so much for your presence and listening to our stories. See you next time. Bye-bye.